This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Casual Podcast. We got a Ask Lane podcast here where I'm just going to run through some questions that you guys have been sending in. So if you got any more questions, please send it in at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. And if you guys haven't, go and check out the newly designed website, simplepassivecashflow.com. Go and get signed up for the two email signups. So the first one is the Hui Deal Pipeline Club, which is the list where you've got to fill out a lot of information. But trust me, it'll be worth it because you'll get uh, sent deals that I come across. They're not going to be coming out on a weekly basis. or They'll probably be coming out pretty infrequently. Because that's how the deals are these days. And if you guys are just looking to get started or just uh, get updates on the websites when I make a podcast or when I make a new blog post. Or when I am just uh, posting a webinar or doing something fun on as a screen share. You guys can get set up for that newsletter. So two new newsletters to go get signed up at simplepassivecashflow.com. First set of questions comes from listener Chip. And uh, thanks for sending in these questions, guys. Keep them coming. Uh, he says, I've been convinced over the last several weeks that he should be getting into single-family home rentals. I'll just caveat saying that I don't can't say I agree. You know, I don't know your personal situation. That's why it's good to have a chat with me and, uh, you know, maybe I can help out along the way. Uh, so his first question is, I keep hearing the market is overheated and the experienced guys are taking a break. That's uh, pretty concerning to me. Should I be extra cautious? Although the numbers work, for example, good cash flow on paper, the market should not matter. Am I being naive? Since I am just learning, if I break even and someone else pays off the note and I get the tax breaks, one of his primary goals, isn't he just ahead of the game? My problem is that I'm new and I don't see a good deal from the bad deal. Are there some good resources you can guide me? Are the mortgage tax deductions going to be going away in the next couple of years? This could be a big negative. Chip, first I'll say we could be very well going into the next recession in 6 to 18 months. Uh, maybe it's not a recession, but just a little correction. It's based on some true historical evidence. You know, Typically, market cycles last anywhere from 8 to 12 years. The past does not predict the future. The future may be a correction in the near term or could be the greatest 4 to 6 year bull run we have ever seen. Things have stopped making any sense after coming off the gold standard and everything is based off emotions and fear, which is why I don't have any money in the equity markets. Uh, I cashed out my 401k and we, you guys can uh, you guys can talk to me about that if you guys have questions about that. So I personally think that people who say that they are taking their chips off the table or staying in cash are kind of playing the game not to win. And then these big dogs that you hear who are doing this, like the Ken McElroys for one, you know, these, these guys can do that because they, they have substantial amounts of cash flow coming in. You may not be, especially if you're in the beginning stages of a building a portfolio of this cash flow, which I always say about building the cash flow base as opposed to going after home run deals like flips or you know all these other commercial deals after that. If you heard the chat that I had with George Newberry on May 31st, uh, we briefly discuss the art of the deal where you make the deals based on the sound underwriting because in apartments, I'll just use that example, the deal needs to be undervalued under market rents to support a 20% IRR for investors with conservative expectations of the market. That means that the current reversion rates don't continue to decrease like how they are. That means that you don't speculate like a flipper that the market is going to keep going up. It means that run respect that you're operating independently of the market. 
which is uh, easier said than done. It requires you to find the needle in a haystack deal and, and be able to be doing great deal making and being able to walk away. And that's really the art of deal as it comes to it. There's a, definitely a divide between investors who buy good turnkey single family home or better some value add multifamily and the best, which is those big value add multifamily in distress. So, uh, you know, I identified it as good, better, and best. You've got, there's three uh, choices and, you know, they all have different levels of abilities that you need to get into each of them and different levels of return. In some engineering, if then speak, if you are buying a turnkey, then you are buying the good deals, that level one that I was talking about, and expect to make very little money. If a correction happens, then you'll be tested, which makes it very important that you buy with proper due diligence and with adequate cash flow. There is a razor's edge margin for error. But hey, it's better than the stock market as long as you can hold on to the home in times of trouble. You know, you hear this on the bigger pockets where, you know, they're saying, well, you know, these t- turnkey buyers, you know, they're getting horrible deals. But, you know, a lot of you guys make pretty good money out there at your day job. You know, just keep doing that. And keep outbeating the market two to three times better and you'd be better off than most. So if you play this game, optimizing your liquidity and deploying in better and best deals, which rarely see the light of day in this seller's market. So, uh, you know, yeah, you can say all you want that you want to find the best deals, but good luck. Let me know when you find it. Real estate guys call this Quantrum the inefficiently deploying funds Quantrum, which is the cost of insurance in times of uncertainty. So I thought this was a great way of thinking about it. I just wanted to bring it to your guys' attention. You know, me and my business partner, were looking at some 88 to 50 unit properties in Dallas that looked pretty good, but ended up not pulling the trigger on them because the numbers did not meet our standards. The funny thing is that we got a budget from the property management company when we went to underwriting the properties. That's the cool thing about these multifamilies is that you can get a property management company give you a budget, fill in that blank in your underwriting spreadsheet. So we went out and did this, you know, it kind of killed the deal. And the property management told us later, point blank, that we were underwriting these deals properly and that the deal really did not make any sense to them. Unfortunately, 95% of investors are buying these things 20% more than they should. I mean, a lot of these properties that are selling for six and a half, I mean, I'm running for like five and a half. It's that stark of a difference. These are the suckers who are just going to do deals just to do deals. Part of the problem is that these are investors that are not investing in their own money and are just getting a little lazy because it's it's uh, part speculation. And you know, it might just be that they're just investing institutional money. Their investors want 5%, then uh, go ahead. They can do it. But, you know, like I, I said, in a correction, you know, those returns are tested. And a lot of times those small margins means that you give the property back up and that's not a fun thing to do. But it frankly sucks how I'm sitting here with my fishing pole in my hand not getting action. And nobody likes a dry spell. I feel like I'm kind of being like a treasure hunter and not going out treasure hunting unless it's gold or platinum or whatever, uh, some super valuable material. You know, I've just been focusing on underwriting properties and not pulling the trigger unless uh, it meets my underwriting. So the next question is, in that theme, what are some big mistakes you have heard of that might help the next guy avoid. We've talked about it a lot in the podcast. You know, I asked every podcast interviewee that biggest mistake made. And I always try to dig into, you know, a lot of times they like to give me these uh, 
fluffy answers, but I always like to say, what can we take away and doing it from it? But, you know, a few things that came to mind is, you know, buying from the wrong provider. A lot of guys are buying from turnkey companies and, you know, you just don't know who you're working with, even though they were a good provider to somebody else. You, sir, may not be very educated or sophisticated in the way you talk to that provider and they might just realize that they can take you for a spin because you're the sucker and you don't even know it. The funny thing is you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Yeah, tread lightly until you've done a few deals and which is another good reason why you should get a mentor. I mean, I have it on my website. If you want the mentorship, you want to cut costs, cut the learning curve, pay a little insurance to ensure that you get something going, then I there it is. If not, you don't have to take it. That's the art of the deal. Uh, another uh, mistake I see is not having the mentor, you know, holding your hand. I mean, I, I paid for a mentorship for apartment investings. I'm not, I'm not looking to make a mistake with that stuff. That stuff is a lot bigger. Now I'm saying, I've seen a lot of people buy uh, small turnkey houses and for them, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 dollars is not that much to them. Well, more power to you. It's all with your risk tolerance. If you're willing to lose it, then, um, you can go, go in with a little bit more of a risk outlook similar to someone who has a high deductible on their car insurance. Next question is, should I form an LLC? I've been doing some research, the tax data, and I see that only 30 to 40% of the final buyers have an LLC. Why is there such a little percentage? Is there a big disadvantage? I, of course, will seek professional help. And I just want to highlight that, that I'm not a lawyer or even a CPA. And then he's saying, he ends this question here, but before I would like to have a bit of a baseline to hold an intelligent discussion and to detect poor advice. So I commend you there. You know, you want to know this stuff 20% of the way so you can have a conversation so uh, the lawyer or CPA doesn't pull wool over your eyes and play the churn card on you. When I always hear this question, I always think of it as like a hashtag newbie question and it signals indecision in someone who is on the fence but sort of looking for the, the ways that this thing can fail, reasons not to do it. They're thinking of the how and the bad things instead of the why. I think that if you're asking yourself these type of questions, you need to figure out, well, why am I doing this? Well, you're doing it because you don't want to have to work at your job for 40 years or 30 years or whatever and hope and pray that you're going to have enough money. You're going to take a little bit less beaten path and to invest in something that is actually backed by some brick and mortar value. It's a signal that if you're asking these kind of questions, you're heading down the road of no action. And I just want to point that out. I did not start with an LLC, but grew my entity structure and insurance levels to grow with my portfolio. So what I'm saying is you have to have balance. Don't put the cart in front of the horse, but don't leave yourself vulnerable. So it's basically a non-answer and it's one of those, it, it's depends. And I can't go more into it if I'm not a coaching client with you. And I'm just not willing to put myself out there, to be honest. Uh, some, cause some people take me literally in everything I say and I'm like, in the disclaimer, it's like, well, think for yourself, right? Take in different information, different places and think for yourself and do the math. So I won't answer this question directly because people, I, think some people fail to think for themselves and this is a highly individual 
advice, you know, because some people have kids, some people don't, some people are older, some people are younger, some people are married, some people are single, some people have, they have health issues and, you know, they have, there's just all kinds of things that could happen that totally change their, their uh, risk tolerance. So I have some uh, helpful advice from a real lawyer. I've got a link on my website with how many properties should I put in an LLC. You guys can check that out at simplepassivecashflow.com. Go and check out the uh, show notes. And by the way, if you guys are checking out these podcasts, you want to look back at a certain topic. I have a spreadsheet of every single Simple Passive Cashflow podcast with show notes, links to every single podcast. Great way to uh, get it all in one place and use that control F function to find what you're looking for. All right, we're uh, about halfway here. So how do I get good local answers is the next question. Uh, give an example of a... In Houston, a 20-year roof may only last 12 to 15 years or so, roofers say. Somewhere like bigger pockets be a great place for questions like this. Um, you know, it would be, uh, you know, there's bigger pockets, the online form for, you know, some information. I always tend to go after networking with local investors. Small discussion here when you're reaching out to people you don't know. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people contact me and it's giving me a lot of good perspective on how to reach out to other people. You know, I don't claim to know everything and I'm still out networking with people who are much more advanced than I am. And one thing I noticed that it really works very well is if you're always that person who adds value, you know, don't be that asshole. Yes, I said asshole. Now I'm using myself in as an example. I mean, if I'm talking to an investor who is very, very advanced, much older and really doesn't really care about my uh, success or not. It really does me no good to just ask him all the questions under the sky. I mean, I need to provide value to this individual and help him out and hope that he gives me something in return. So just a little perspective. So sometimes when you're going to be getting these advice from other investors or getting a referral, at some point you're going to have to operate in the dark. Like the disclaimer says, in everything there is risk. If I take anything from my construction management job at the day job, we always end up eating about 10 to 25% of the project contingency because you never know what is unknown and unknowable. And it's funny because if you don't spend your contingency, then that is a sign that you are over-designing or wasting money on you know, doing that design work and not accelerating the schedule enough. So you can mitigate it by having a mentor look over your best interests, but that's about it. Buy right with cash flow and take into account the contingency all I'm saying. Another question is, I'm quite nervous over this new unknown, but I have the W-2 income to cover rental. So it's really just head versus gut. Any links to general information you could pass my way would be greatly appreciated. I am also trained as an engineer, so you probably can sympathize with the need to analyze things to death. It's kind of funny, like apparently a lot of uh, engineers like to listen to this podcast for some strange reason. You know, I'm getting better and better about this every day as I talk to more and more people and try and get them started in the world of real estate investing. But ultimately, I come down to, hey, cool, you can keep doing what you're doing, investing in the stock market or not having your daily latte or doing whatever you're doing. And you know what's going to happen. You're going to work 30 to 40 more years at your job and you might have enough. Or you can follow the less beaten path and follow the footsteps of others who have done what you want. 
you know, I've created these secret Facebook groups with all these people who have done the same thing. And, you know, we try and help each other as best as we can. The proof is right there. You know, I'm not really that special. I'm not, there's really nothing that unique about me. I mean, I don't make that much money as an engineer. So, I mean, it really shouldn't be that daunting to just, you just got to buy that first one and get it going. Next question here is, hey, I really enjoyed the latest topics on the podcast. Wouldn't mind a more deep analysis and discussion about leasing versus buying a used car, a la Millionaire Next Door, also the renting versus buying the house. What do you think about buying? Are you locking in your payment for 30 years, whereas you rent, your pay will go up with inflation? Also, there's some equity. A HELOC can be pretty powerful. As a physician, I can get no money down loan with no PMI. What do you think about it? that changes the decision to buy. I'm not a fan of the HELOC because you can't get it to the whole equity amount as a loan. If you think about it, like a lot of the the HELOCs, they start at 80% loan to value. And this is not owner occupied. And they won't really go any much higher than that. Yeah, you're getting a great rate, but that 20% of equity in there is really not not really utilized. And it's just kind of dead weight. It's kind of like uh, if you've got a bucket and you're trying to drain the bucket, and the holder drain the bucket is uh, an inch from the bottom. That inch in the bottom is sort of like the water that never really gets out. That's kind of like that last 20%. So it's like when you do the math, try and factor that into what you're trying to compare here. I'm more of a fan of you know doing the 1031 or just doing cash out refi to get the money out and uh, getting into something higher and better. We talk a lot about syndications on this podcast, and most of the time, these offers are only for those with an accredited status per the rules of the SEC. Now sponsoring the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast is the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, empowering investors to fund the purchase of distressed mortgages. The AHP fund aims to keep people in their homes by investing in notes. It's an opportunity to earn returns while feeling good about making a positive social impact. You can start investing with as little $100. You can learn more at investinahp.com. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. About the whole leasing and buying, I had another podcast with the leasing and buying discussion. I'm more of a guy pushing your money into the future, getting as much debt as you can now because in the future, inflation is going to be coming. You're going to be wanting to have the cash flow investments which will offset monthly payments on these rents of your primary residence or the rent on your vehicle. And I'm coming up with a little PDF ebook. If you guys want to get that, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. I'm hoping that this, uh, this thing you guys can send out to some of your folks as a quick start guide into uh, getting interested into this alternative kind of investing or wealth building model. Another ebook I'm working on is why the 401k really wasn't what it was supposed to be meant for and how it just sells mutual funds that make the mutual fund companies rich. So uh, hopefully that'll be done and ready for Christmas so you guys can give that out for Christmas presents. Last question here is people have been showing me a lot of development deals and you know, there's a lot of questions surrounding, hey, is this a good deal, man? Or should I look at the interest rate or look at the return that's projecting, man? Like, this is way better than uh, those turnkey rentals or these multifamily uh, returns. I'm sure some people would be very interested, but personally, I just want the stable cash flow. And in this seller's market, 
you know, you just can't really think that the markets is just going to keep going up and up and up. I mean, you can't really think that the uh, rents are going to keep going at 5% plus per year. If you're thinking like that, you're speculating. And you know what I think about speculating, right? It's like gambling. So with these development deals, I think it's important concept to bring up is the Sharp Index, which is sort of vague. But what the Sharp Index is, and you guys can look this up on Wikipedia, but it's a uh, index that compares the returns with the amount of risk or volatility in the investment. So like take, you know, your basic rental home. The, the returns aren't spectacular. I mean, they're way, way better than the stock market. But there's not much that can happen to it. I mean, your tenant will go out, but, you know, you're back and rolling. And in a five-year span, you're going to be getting pretty stable returns. But a development deal, you know, obviously the projected, quote-unquote, and I say that laughingly, returns are a much higher than a rental property. But the uh, risk that you're taking on is a lot, lot higher. The Sharp Index sort of takes those factors into account and gives you a numerical representation of those two investments and comparing them on that scale. What I like and what I see as the sweet spot and why I do multifamily is that it's in that 20% a year and it's pretty stable. I mean, it's just like a uh, rental property and it's not really tied to the market if you're buying right. And, and it kind of comes down to your own personal goals. And this is when I talk to people on the phone who uh, set up a call is, you know, hey man, what's your goal here? Are you trying to get like twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month? Or are you just trying to replace your income or half your income? And that's the first thing that you need to figure out. And me personally, I'm not I'm probably a little less than the average person I talk to in terms of what their goals are. I just need to be patient because I know I will hit my goals in the next few years and it would be unacceptable for me to blow it just to get there one and a half years or two years sooner. So what I mean is like, I'm just going to keep chugging along with these 20% plus deals that'll get me to my goal in very near future, a few years. And I'm not going to be doing these high risk high reward development deals or strip malls or other investments I just don't understand because yeah I could get there quicker to my goal but I could also blow myself out and I could be you know put myself for another market sale or, or even more which is you know even 12 15 years and that that would be unacceptable to me I guess what I'm trying to do right now is trying to create my quality of life to be able to sustain the seller's market so I can be happy, but also uh, keep looking for deals because that's pretty fun to me and be ready for the next downturn when it comes. That's the last question I have. And if you guys uh, send some more in, we'll uh, build a queue and uh, make sure you guys go to Simple Passive Cashflow and sign up for the two newsletters and also check out the hedge fund. So a lot of people have been saying that they uh they think all these cool investments, but they don't know what to do and they don't really know how to combine it all into one portfolio for optimal diversification. So that's what this hedge fund is supposed to be doing. So please reach out. We'll talk to you later. Bye. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. 
Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.